welcome to our podcast. My name is Amelia. My name is Sherrick and this is Amelia. And Sherrick, what are you doing? The only podcast that offers you cash back on all travel and gas purchases from 1941 to 1952. Okay. All right. Um, credit cards weren't really around then, which is what I assume you're referring to. But uh... <laughs> Valid only in Hawaii. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. Uh how y'all doing? Tired. Yeah, I get you. Yep, I am tired. It is Memorial Day when we are recording this. So we are off work today, which is I don't know about you, but for me is really nice but also really stressful sometimes (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah because because twitter is is both a a, an amazing and awful place to get (laughs) Uh uh-huh i saw that a um a trend was planet sheen and of course my brain immediately went charlie sheen and i was like the fuck did he do to get into the news in 2021 as (laughs) wild as shit has been yes so here's the curve though Uh it's not at all about charlie she (laughs) okay okay so for those of you who don't know nickelodeon has decided to uh go the route of spinoff uh and given patrick star of spongebob fame his own show called oh no and someone uh, actually more than one person pointed out that the last thing that the last time that Nickelodeon tried something like this was Planet Sheen, which is the uh, name of a character from the Jimmy Neutron series. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh Lord, did he graduate from Tiger's Blood to fucking I Am a Planet now? Like, what the fuck? But no, it's a completely different person and character. And some people are like, you know, it is a thing. But anyway, yeah, the Patrick Star show is coming to Nickelodeon this July. And it just looks like they were like, well, here's our way to keep SpongeBob relevant, but and and also Patrick, but like focusing mostly on Patrick because the trailer has obviously a fair like a, a majority amount of Patrick in it, but SpongeBob obviously makes a couple of um a couple of uh appearances and then someone on twitter uh responded making the comic relief the main character has literally never worked out right that's what i was thinking i was like he's a pretty one note character like i love patrick but like not as a main character and and for me i think that with a show like spongebob and this is going to replace our how are you doing, I guess, for the week. <laughs> We're going to talk about this. Um, with, with SpongeBob, like both SpongeBob and Patrick are like the comic relief. It's I, just that yeah, Patrick is much, true. much more the comic relief than SpongeBob is. True. Like SpongeBob has more. And maybe this is their attempt to do it. But I, I, I can't help but think of other shows like the Cleveland show, which like Cleveland wasn't necessarily a, a comic relief, but he was definitely a side character that they t- decided to try and yeah try and replicate the formula a little bit so Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it could work it it could could work i i just don't think that it will but that's just me yeah um so that that's uh what what stumbled across my head i guess Mm -hmm. um yeah but yeah uh, like Amelia said, it's Memorial Day. So, hey, uh, respect to the veterans and hopefully moving forward, 
we can move to the point where there won't be nearly as many as there are because war is stupid. That's my personal stance. Anyway. Well, this isn't just a day for vets, but it's also a day correct. for those yes. we've lost. Yep. So. Correct. Mainly. In... Not, not wanting to discount that at all, but like, obviously like. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be, I mean, there's a veterans day. Mm-hmm. So that's supposed to be, yeah. But these are for Memorial Day is to remember those we've lost in war, particularly. So. Indeed. So. so. All right. Um, uh, anything that you want to chat about, Amelia, uh, in lieu of talking about how your week has been? Um, not really. Yeah. Uh, our weeks are usually just the same all the time. So, <laughs> so that's kind of boring. So yeah, but let's let's get into our main topic. Let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, we talked about that. So okay, I had to I had to keep scrolling until I saw the Charlie Sheen gif. I was like, it's got to be here somewhere. <laughs> in this trend, it's got to be. And then I found it, and I was like, thank goodness, man. <laughs> remember when that was the wildest shit that was going on? Sorry to get back to this, but like Charlie <laughs> Sheen just having like that interview and just like going ham and just like the memes on it and everyone just being like, wow, this is crazy, and then mm-hmm. like. 20 2015 through 2020 world was like hold my beer like you know yep. like yeah we got way more wild shit coming your way right yeah yeah um but yeah so we're going back to the world of video games video james even or uh video jamie like my buddy uh jamie shout out to to jamie on uh on twitch who does a lot of um amazing work uh with charities and stuff i believe that he was recently raising money for saint jude but anyway point being we're going to talk about the mass effect and the mass effect legendary edition of game all right let's do it sorry sorry (laughs) because because i was like as i was closing twitter (laughs) (laughs) this is only going to be really funny to me but the sports part of Twitter came up like right before I was closing it and it showed this guy hit a home run and a player on the Minnesota twins, number 38. So there you go, Jenny, you can, you can tell me who that is. Cause I, I'm not going <laughs> to look it up in the middle of the podcast. And it's not cause I'm lazy. It's just cause I really need to move on to the main topic, but he was like doing the thing where he's like watching the ball and he's watching the ball and he's going back, back, back. And he just ran headlong into the wall like unseeing like he did not have he did not have the awareness to like put his hand out to see where when the wall was coming and so he him just slammed into the wall and fell and the ball just harmlessly sailed over the fence (laughs) not that he could have robbed it because of where it was at but it was just like he had no idea where the ball was at and it definitely oh my god like it definitely was just like a big old oof like he's just like he's keep watching it and watching it and watching it and watching it and just slams into the wall oh that's gotta be embarrassing yup wow Uh, so anyway back to the Uh, so it's Ryan Mountcastle hit a home run and, and uh, number 38 on the Twins uh, ran into the wall, unfortunately. So we're talking, we're talking about Mass Effect. This game is a game, uh, pardon the pun, it's a game changer for a lot of reasons. Like this game put Bioware on the map um, and then they were subsequently swallowed by the whale known as Electronic Arts, which is uh, a big old pouring out the 4D for, for original Bioware because once 
you are bought by a company like EA, uh, you are dead and um, only your husk remains and you can, I mean, I'm sure uh, just I'm, the, by the look that I'm seeing on Amelia's face, which y'all of course can't see, I, she <laughs> understands, I think what I'm talking about when, and it's typically like good game developers when they are swallowed up by other games. Um, it, it's a really unfortunate thing. This is going to be a reference that maybe not a lot of you get, but there was a, a uh, game company called Toys for Bob that um, worked really hard on and released a, an amazing, uh, amazing rendition of Crash 4, uh, which they, like, like the Mass Effect edition, a lot of people wanted a new Crash Bandicoot game. There was no news about it for a very, very long time. And then finally... Naughty Dog was like, Toys for Bob is handling Crash 4. And it was fantastic. Everyone was like, oh my God, this is so great. And then uh, the company that owns Toys for Bob, along with others, said, hey, now we're going to put them to work on this like this like Call of Duty-esque kind of series. And everyone was like, why? Like, <laughs> why would you... They did a fantastic game, and now you're just going to relegate them to just putting out, like, DLC for this, like, over-bloated, same... My personal opinion, overbloated, same kind of like war shooter for mm-hmm. that you just kind of like fart out every year. Like, mm-hmm. eh. but anyway, um, so to start out with, like I mentioned, um, Bioware, uh, which they're also famous for like the Dragon Age series and a couple of other games as well, um, released this game called Mass Effect in 2007. And it's okay. your, it's a third, it's like a third person. So typically like over the right shoulder kind of viewing the character. Like if you're watching a movie and you're ever seeing like a character like running down a corridor or something, but you're like, obviously you're not seeing it from like directly on their shoulder. You can see their full body. That's, I mean, I think you get the idea of what third person is, but I'm explaining for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a third person shooter. I would call it a space opera. Um, oh fancy basically I would call it a space opera because it's I mean there's all sorts of like betrayal and intrigue and romance and then there's also some shooting in there you know (laughs) like like it's it's I think a lot of people um, associate Mass Effect with like you're in guns and you are in space and you're meeting aliens and you're shooting but like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like fucking politics and um stuff hidden in the game and a lot of talking and a lot of romance and maybe not romance but the other thing that goes that that is typically (laughs) a lot of people basically be like so when can i when when can i fuck this alien like (laughs) all right yeah i'm i I mean i'm partially joking but i'm really not so like uh, before I launch too deeply into it, I know that you've seen me play a little bit of it. So, uh, and by the way, uh, this episode, and I'm going to put this in the description if I can remember to do it, this episode will be full of fucking spoilers. So for whatever reason, you didn't get around to playing Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3, you're going to want to finish those games before you, I, I'll leave a, I'll leave Andromeda alone because I kind of want to talk about that in a separate episode. Okay. Um, but if if you are if you are afraid of spoilers from Mass Effect one, two, or three, you may want to avoid this episode until you mm-hmm. get a chance to read it. So not often will I tell you not to listen to an episode, but like, yeah. don't listen to this one because I'm gonna be spoiling a fuck ton of shit. Right. Um, so that being said, there's your warning. There's no like like time to put into the description. Just if you don't want spoilers, 
for an almost 13, 14 year old game. And then uh, respectively going forward, don't, don't listen to this. Mm-hmm. So like I said, Amelia, you, you've seen me play a little bit of Mass Effect 1. I don't think you were watching my streams when I did Mass Effect 2 la- late last year, No, I which wasn't. I will be playing again. I'm not going to like skip it. I'm not going to go from like 1 to 3. That would be fucking weird. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have any questions or if there's anything you want clarified or like stuff or, or stuff that you like that stood out to you that you thought was interesting or anything like that. Cause I don't want to just info dump and. and yeah, no, I mean, I, like I said, um, before we started, um, yeah, I watched you play it one time on stream and it was a time when I was, um, not really able to pay total attention. So like mostly what I got out of it was it's in space, which I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I literally knew nothing mm-hmm. um, except it was a game called Mass Effect and that there were three of them and you were super excited about them coming out being re-released and I didn't really understand why so like I guess maybe just like a brief history and like why they w- they've been re-released and like kind of yeah some of the the storyline and what you like what you like about it is yeah. is I guess kind of what I'm looking for and yeah, yeah I'll just ask questions along the way sounds good to me all right so a brief history of the original mass effect is what you requested and so i'll I'll give you both i'll give you basically the history of like what's going on in the game because i don't have too much about like the history of like when it came out and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, because honestly I didn't learn about Mass Effect until the second one had come out. Okay. And and uh, basically uh, from there, someone was like, oh, you got to play the first one. It's not good, but you got to play the first one because the first one sets up so much about what the fuck is happening. Okay. Like, like Mass Effect 2 is by far the the best game in the series and it's in fact several people that i know's favorite game of all time dang yeah that's a lot like it's 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 a really really good fucking game i i would say it's definitely up there for me as well as one of my favorite games of all time it's definitely Mm -hmm. my favorite shooting game of all time okay um and and then three we will get to three uh eventually so Mm -hmm. Um, basically what you need to know about the original Mass Effect trilogy, uh, the, the original Mass Effect is that it is set in the 22nd century, specifically around like, you know, just, I want to say maybe like the 2150s, 60s or so. Okay. Um, so around the 22nd century, humanity discovers that there's an alien outpost on Mars. And they learn that this item that they've been calling uh, Charon is actually what's called a mass relay. So you may have seen the loading screen or like whenever I was traveling in the game, it looks like this big like C, it's kind of like, it's like this. And then it, and it's got like a huge like blue core in the middle. Okay. Um, Those are what are called mass relays. And essentially you can, it'll, it enables faster than light travel to other mass relays. So think of it as like basically just like fast travel points. Okay. Like you hit it and then it like supercharges your ship and just slingshots it like incredibly far, incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is how humanity comes into contact with a bunch of other spacefaring alien species um, known as, and I'll get into more detail about these later, but like the Salarians, Turians, Asari, Volar, uh, excuse me, 
Volus, Hanar, et cetera, et cetera. And my brain like stopped and I was like, burr, burr, burr. And of course they um, get the, get, because it's humanity, we get into war with like one of the, one of the, of the, the aliens and it's called the first contact war. And it, I mean, it actually doesn't go too terribly for humanity. Like we're outmatched and outgunned for sure, but we end up like not getting wiped out. And then uh, there's a, a, um, a galactic council known as the council that is like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Y'all stop fighting. <laughs> Y'all stop fighting. We are gonna, we're gonna, we're, we're ba- it's basically like the parent who sees like two kids like fighting at the party and they just like, put him in the get along shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we all just get along. Exactly. So um, over the next few decades after the first contact war ends, humanity is given access to new technology, allowing them to kind of like colonize planets. And then they become, they even get to uh, join what is called the Citadel security. So C- the Citadel is this massive, it looks like it looks like a ring with a bunch of like wings hanging off of it on each side. Okay. And it's like the, it basically it, it's the seat of all of galactic space, like, like government and everything. So like mm-hmm. they basically send representatives from each race to be on this council and they decide like who gets to colonize what worlds and like how many troops are going to go there and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So there are still some like, you know, interspecies conflicts and things like that. But for the most part, there's peace. I'm trying to think of like what else I can think of to tell you. Um, well, let me actually just start by describing some of these races because I don't want to go too deep into it. And you'd be like, wait, what the fuck is an Asari? So <laughs> uh, the Asari, I'll start with the Asari because it's alphabetical and then I won't go in alphabetical for the rest of them. Um, <laughs> they are these monogendered humanoid looking things that basically live for like over a thousand years for some of them so like mm-hmm. comparatively they consider being like 100 to 200 years old is like a baby wow okay so like right because it's like you've you know uh you, if you live for a thousand years you gotta stretch out the life expectancy i guess as far as like or not life expectancy but like life stages of like where you uh-huh. are at this particular point right they also are the species that is most connected with what is called biotics biotics is essentially space magic so like you can lift shit with your mind or like throw people or you know stuff. so it's like it's a it's a lovely balance of like we have science to explain why we're able to do this thing in space now and also there's magic that we can kind of explain but not really you know Then there's also uh, the Salarians. They're an amphibious looking species. Like if you gave, like if you took like a frog's like general front skull area and mm-hmm. then imagine what it would look like if they, the rest of their body was like humanoid, you're pretty spot on as what a Salarian looks like. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, they're, they're typically very technological and, and intellectually like advanced. Uh-huh. Um, the Turians are heavy militaristic. Those are the, the species that humanity got into the tiff with they they basically look like um they kind of look like raptors they have like spikes coming off the back of their heads um i'll show you pictures of these things later so that'll make sense mm-hmm. um, maybe i'll also do like a, a cool little collage of these species for the the instagram as well 
uh, like I said, they're the ones that, you know, they, they fought humanity in the first contact war. And they're basically like, they're, they're, they're not like your big brawn beefy like aliens but they are very much into like weaponry and, and like basically like, like naval space shit. Um, and then there are the Krogans who are the actual like big bad motherfuckers of the galaxy. Okay. Um, my friend Abra, shout out to Abra, calls them crabs. They basically, <laughs> okay. they look kind of like, like if you took like a lizard's head and then put it on just like a muscly, a huge muscly body. Um, they've got like these humps and stuff and they are at least throughout Mass Effect 1 like some of the most feared uh, like the most feared aliens in the galaxy okay so they actually got into what is called the Rachni Wars I'm sorry I'm nerding out everyone's like I'm trying to follow those strings Um, (laughs) the Rachni are like these giant space spiders who were like taking, yeah, exactly. They like taking shit over. And so everyone was like, they're not really like listening to the the council when we say like, hey, you can't have that colony. We need that or whatever. So, and I I don't remember if the humans were involved. I think the humans were not around council space by the time the Rachni Wars happened. So Mm -hmm. the Salarians and Turians and and the Sari all like, yo, we need to like fucking do something about the Rachni, but they're too powerful aha, here is an idea. So they basically were like, hey, Krogans, you're like stuck because the Krogans, obviously, because they're big, big, you know, bad, beefy motherfuckers, uh, their their flaw then is that they're not really all that smart in terms of like space travel and stuff like that. And so the council was like, yo, we'll give you the ability to do all of this stuff if you help us fight off these Rachni. And the Krogan were like, yeah, we love a fight, dude. Let's, you could have you just said, hey, just hey you want to fight because that's like their thing they mm-hmm. prove that's how they prove themselves right it's the passage and stuff like they are they are mercenaries to the core basically mm-hmm. it's like you don't necessarily like they they love to get paid but they love a, a good fight more if that makes sense mm-hmm. so it's like part of the payment if you will gotcha so the krogans actually fought the rachni back and then they were like well now we can take some of this shit mm-hmm. and so then they were the you know the council was like oh fuck now we've got we've essentially exchanged one monster for another Oh shit. And so they they got the Salarians to create what is called the Genophage. And I'm gonna I promise I'll get back to the game after I explain this bit, but it, it helps frame some of the shit that's going on throughout the entire game. Uh, the Genophage essentially is incorrectly labeled as a sterility plague because Krogans breed incredibly quickly and they they breed a lot. And so essentially to cut off their numbers. They created this, I'm going to call it a sterility plague for the sake of like everyone understanding what the fuck I'm talking about, but okay. it's not quite that. Essentially, they they can still have babies, just it means that a bunch of them will die in stillbirth. Interesting. Okay. So basically, the, the genophage is unleashed and every Krogan has it. Basically, they, they basically set it so that every Krogan in the galaxy, no matter what, has genophage. As a side note, you don't really meet female Krogans in the game until the third game and that's only if you do a certain set of things and then finally uh there are the Quarians who are these like very slim typically looking aliens who you never really get to see their faces they are um very nomadic in fact they don't have a home planet they have what's called the migrant fleet which is just like a a tight-knit group of ships that 
travel like in deep space. They don't really have a home base, if you will. Okay. And um, they are so used to being in sterilized environments that their um, immune systems are just fucking destroyed. So like getting shot or even getting stabbed by something can be fatal to them. Okay. Or even like a suit rupture, like just like mm-hmm. to go even further, like even just like accidentally snagging their suit on like a jagged piece of metal and having it rip open can get them sick for weeks. Oh, dang. Um, yeah. So they are incredibly fragile in that regard, but they're mm-hmm. also very, very smart. And they created um, a, a species known as the Geth, which are essentially a hive mind computer program placed into robotic bodies. And naturally, as they, uh, they were initially made as slaves, and as they kept giving Geth more and more abilities to do things so that they wouldn't have to do as much, of course, they accidentally create artificial intelligence and then one day a geth asks uh, a Corian, like like do i have a soul and they panic and go we gotta fucking kill him we have to kill him now <laughs> 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 like that's not a joke like a geth literally asks like hey do i have a soul and their immediate response is like we need to fucking kill them they need to die <laughs> yikes so as as predictably they fail in killing the geth and the geth go you were gonna fucking kill us now we're gonna fucking kill you and that is that is why they no longer have a home world is because the geth essentially took over their home world and was like get the fuck out of here we hate you now Mm -hmm. um but in more robot zero zero one terms binary uh, language so this so that being all said and i'm sure that there's some species that i'll i'll touch on later that Mm -hmm. is um basically what you kind of learn by starting to play the by starting to play Mass Effect One, okay, and so you start out as a, a character named Commander Shepard, who you get to, and this is one of the things that like a lot of video games didn't do, um, and 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 like Bioware is kind of like the pioneer of this kind of stuff, is um, you get to choose not only the way you want to play, but the background of your character and what your character looks like, and there are consequences or rewards depending on how you do that. So if you don't give a shit about space magic and you just want to like, you know, shooty, 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 you can be just a straight up soldier and then you just, you know, you can just be really good with any weapon. Or okay. you can be like, you can you can be space magic-y or you can be like a tech person who just wants to hack shit. Or you can mix some of those up. So there are certain classes like a Vanguard who is like half soldier, half space magic. So you're like, you're really good with a shotgun, but also you can like throw motherfuckers <laughs> up against the wall. Or you can be like part tech, part soldier, or part soldier, or excuse me, I'm part um, tech and part space magic, whatever. Anyway. Okay. You get the ideas. You can kind of mm-hmm. mix and match your play style. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also get to choose your background. Like, did you grow up on earth? Were you a colony kid? Like, were you, uh, you know, how did, you, what, what was your background? And then like when you ended up joining the Alliance, which is essentially the like Earth Navy and, and defense and, and military system, like what, there, like there's like a, a defining moment that makes you Commander Shepard and not just like Lieutenant or Private or what have you. And it's typically like you were ambushed on a, on a coos or like something like that. And you were the last one standing. Like you held off, like you held off like an opposing force basically by yourself or something. Wow. Like dang. Stuff like that. So you get to choose your backstory and the game gives you specific like missions or meetings or things that happen depending uh-huh. on what your backstory is. 
Oh, that makes um, sense. And then you obviously get to change, and, and it's 2007, so like you're getting a lot of diversity for 2007 because it's not just like here, here's a white woman or here's a white man, you know, like you can actually make uh, the, the character, uh, you know, black or, or uh, brown or Asian or Indian or whatever you'd like. The, the, the voice change, the voices don't really change between okay. male shepherd and female shepherd, but you can make them look more how you would like. Gotcha. Um, and so you are basically starting the game, learning on the fly about all of this shit that's going on. And you start the game going on this routine mission with a Turian uh, named Nihilus. And he's like, yo, we're actually, we've actually found something from an ancient race from that has been like dead for like hundreds of centuries. Just like just super, super long time ago, mm-hmm. like 50,000 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't typically find artifacts from this long dead race. So that's why I'm here. And uh, if I didn't mention what Nihilus is, uh, other than a Turian, he is what is called a Spectre, which is special tactics and reconnaissance. Okay. And they are like consoles, like heavies. So they are like above the law, can go pretty much anywhere, can do pretty much anything. They like, they don't answer to their home, like, government they answer directly to the council of like the 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 head of all civilization basically and so he he goes there with you on this mission and you go and you take this dude who is like i want to fight fighting is cool i want to kill kill stuff and be a war hero and and you can get to decide whether you're just like pump the brakes kid or like yeah fighting is cool you know (laughs) like which um, I should remember, I should mention this now because y'all learned my rambly style of telling shit. Um, <laughs> the other one of the other major things about Mass Effect is that it in, it implements like a good or evil system in the game for you. Ooh. So it's called Renegade or Paragon. So Renegade is more you're aggressive. You are like, I'm gonna do this my way, the highway. Don't fuck with me. Like mm-hmm. you know, stay out of my way. I'm hard ass. Uh, mm-hmm. Or Paragon typically, and these are typically for both of these, not always, but like typically Paragon is like, you're more nice. You, you try to you know avoid conflict where you can. You understand the mental and like, I guess for lack of better words, like the chess of war sometimes or a conflict where you can like, you can go, okay, well, I'm going to solve this the good way versus the nasty way. Mm-hmm. So for instance, one of the ways that you can like earn renegade points is by convincing Jenkins or whatever Jenkins is the guy that's like yeah I want to go fight and be a war hero if you're like (laughs) yeah fighting is cool and then like that can potentially get you some renegade points because it's like you're just here to be you know jarhead gonna shoot shoot ask questions later or you can be like you know the you know like fighting isn't always like the best thing like maybe maybe going home and seeing your family is a good place like don't just go into a conflict for the sake of a conflict might get you more paragon points so you go to this um, planet, you find out that the Geth who haven't been like around, like basically after they kicked the Koreans off of their home planet, basically disappeared by what behind what is called like the veil, which is just like this huge area of like, it, there's no colonies, there's no like civilization really behind it. It's just, they disappeared behind the veil and they haven't been seen for a really long time. So you go there and you find out that the Geth are hanging out and you're like, what the fuck are they doing here and of course their immediate reaction is oh we need to murder you yeah. 
<laughs> we we must murder you. So um obviously fight the geth. Nihilus gets separate because he's all like, I'm a specter. I work, I I move faster on my own or whatever. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting murdered by another specter named Saren. And Saren essentially is also a Turian, but he like he's like the least looking Turian that, that you'll ever see. Like if you see like a colony of Turians and then you see Saren, you're like, how the fuck did y'all think that he was with us? <laughs> but um uh he does this alone. So you don't know that Nihilus has been murdered by Saren until later on. And then Saren basically arrives to take the uh, information from the artifact because he's working with the Geth to bring back this ancient civilization known as the Reapers. And the Reapers are these huge, like, mollusk-looking motherfuckers that just, like, 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 it's like a mollusk, but, like, if it was just armored just completely armored, just like a giant, and, and like, also like maybe like 150 stories tall. Just absolutely huge. Wow. Yeah, absolutely huge. So they, uh, the, the whole bit, and here are the huge spoilers. Um, the Reapers are these, uh, are the species of uh, essentially just sentient ships that come around every 50,000 years and just wipe out almost all the life in the galaxy. Like it's like a cycle. They just go, you are all too smart get destroyed and they take what they can from um those civilizations and then just let the cycle begin anew so basically what you find out in like the midst of this original game is that it's getting close to clock time for the reapers to be coming back mm-hmm. um and and saren is like if i work with them they will spare me. I will get to live. Like that typical like villain mentality of like, well, I'm not going to get killed by these motherfuckers if I team up with them. So he also recruits a, a woman of the Asari race named Matriarch Benezia, who is like basically just like very, very, very old, very, very wise Asari to help him uh, aid the Geth in bringing back the Reapers. So in the midst of that, you expose Saren because Saren, of course, is like a very good villain. So he's like trying to play it off like he's not doing anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he also uh, hates humanity for reasons that the game will get into. I'm not going to like do everything because this podcast would be 76 years long. Um, I so, mean, uh, I can sort of understand hating humanity. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Hates, <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you there. Um, I'm guessing it's for a different reason, but like I can I mean, empathize. I mean, it might, it might, it might be, but it not might, be. it might not be. Okay. So, so basically, you uh, spend the majority of the first game trying to chase Saren across the galaxy. You expose mm-hmm. him, so the the council goes, okay, well, we're gonna strip his Spectre status, but we're not gonna like send a fleet after him because like that could cause an incident or whatever. Basically. It's like they're going to do the bare minimum to appease humanity in this endeavor. Uh-huh. Not realize, because they don't, they also don't believe that the Reapers exist. They just think that the Geth are just coming back for unknown reasons. They're like, we don't understand the Geth. Like, they're evil. That's all we know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because they've gotten a lot of their information from the Koreans, who, by the way, as a side note, were actually kicked out. They had their own embassy and everything. They were kicked out when the Geth took over. 
they were like, you fucked up, get out of here. Like, basically, like, <laughs> y'all can still be a thing. Y'all can, like, hang out on the Citadel and stuff, but you don't get your own embassy or, like, you don't get, like, a council member anymore. Like, that's uh-huh. your punishment. Like, y'all done fucked this up. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, you're you're spending a good chunk of the time um, meeting some main characters, like uh, Rex, who is a Krogan, uh, who is like one of the best characters in the game. He's he he sounds like Eeyore a bit if you ask Jenny, um, but he's like one of the best ca- uh, characters in the game. You also meet uh, Liara, who's a a um, an Asari scientist who is like studying the Protheans, which is the ancient race I told you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also meet um, Tally uh, Nima Tally Vas Nima, I think is her name. I'm, I'm feel like I'm missing a piece in there. She is a Corian uh, who ends up getting caught up in a conflict way over your head and you rescue her and she's very very good with like engines and stuff because they basically live on ships so like she can do a lot with a little like material as far as scrap and stuff is concerned mm-hmm. then you meet garris garris is a turian who is a former csec officer and he fucking hates Saren because he thinks Saren gives turians a bad name even though like Saren has been kind of like a hero but very extreme mm-hmm. um, and so you take this this group um oh and you also have two humans with you in the first game one of them is named Caden Alenko he's like this kind of like sort of like 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 discount Mark Wahlberg looking kind of dude (laughs) okay um and then you have Ashley Williams who is um not so affectionately known as the space racist (laughs) oh no because a lot of her dialogue in the, at least the first game is centered around her just being extremely racist towards other spaces. Uh, oh, space, wow. Species, rather. So, oh, like, she wow. doesn't, like, she, yes. she's the one that's always being, like, really, really, Skipper, you're going to bring a Turian and a, an Asari on our ship? Like, should they mm-hmm. really have access to our stuff? Like, she's not, like, out and out calling them, like, names, but it's very clear that she's, like, I don't like these other races. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just like something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going through, all, you're basically hopping through the galaxy. You, you end up stopping Matriarch Benezia, who like reveals to you that Saren thinks that he is working with the Reapers. But the main thing with the Reapers is that they have the ability to indoctrinate other species to their will. Okay. So, and they do it in a subtle way that you think that you are still operating on your own free will. Mm-hmm. But you're not. So basically, Saren, it's, it's extremely likely, at least through some theories, that Saren was indoctrinated by the Reapers. And like was basically made to believe the stuff that he's believing in. And so is working with them off of that, as opposed to like actively choosing to work with them. Mm-hmm. And one of the other major things is that like the ship that he is on um, is called Sovereign. And a lot of people think that at least in the, in the, in the first game, a lot of the characters and stuff believe that that is like his, like his like flagship until towards the end, when you realize that it's an actual working Reaper that was like left behind. So that like when the time came, it signaled to the dormant other Reapers and bring them forward out of the deep, deep space where they've been hiding. Mm-hmm. So like you find out that like Sovereign isn't just like a ship. It's like actually like a working Reaper that is like working towards this. So you you do all of this crazy stuff. You find all this information out. You find out a little bit more about the Protheans who were like one of the last main um, species bef- uh, to like leave anything behind before they were last hit by the Reapers. And then you find out 
through your fight with Saren that he's been indoctrinated. And so you get all these lovely choices towards the end, but eventually you end up defeating Sovereign at the beginning, uh, excuse me, at the end of the first game and uh, saving the day, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'll stop there because that's a lot of information. <laughs> so I don't know if you have Yeah, I know. I, at one point I was like, that's all in the first game? That's all of the first game. Damn. Yeah. So like, how long would you say it takes to play the first game? Who okay, so this is something that I um because again I was I I started with Mass Effect 2 and then like had to stop because someone was like you have to play the first one to really understand what the fuck is going on. Uh-huh. Because there are a lot of callbacks and things like that. And like another thing that it does is that the you have the ability to transfer a save file from Mass Effect 1 and pull it into Mass Effect 2. So choices and stuff that you made can affect the the, the future games. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So like, for instance, there's this dude named Conrad Werner, and I'll get to answer mm-hmm. your question in a second. There's mm-hmm. the, a dude named Conrad Werner who is like this kind of creepy like stalker. Mm-hmm. And if you're nice to him in the first game, mm-hmm. it affects how he treats you in the second game. Ooh, and it can okay. also affect how well you're doing. It's not, it's, I mean, it's not like a major effect, but mm-hmm. it's still an effect. It can affect mm-hmm. how well you do in the war in the third game. Okay. Versus if you're an asshole to him, uh-huh. that can, that can of course create consequences, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, to answer your question, like I'd say if you're going to speed through it, like I did the very first time that I played it, mm-hmm. it's not going to take you that, that long. And by that long, I mean, maybe like 20 hours or so it really depends because there's so much stuff that you can do in the game or not Mm -hmm. do like Mm -hmm. the game kind of gives you the option like there Mm -hmm. you literally have the like the majority of the milky way galaxy as as it's depicted in the game to explore so you're given like four or five like major things that you need to like you absolutely need to do Mm-hmm. for the game to progress mm-hmm. but if you don't feel like doing them you could just spend time just going on planets and like driving around and like looking for like like artifacts or like materials or stuff like that and you can just do that or you can just go okay i've been given this uh, this task i'm gonna hit this planet and i'm gonna hit this planet and i'm gonna hit this planet and i'm gonna beat Saren. and it took me 10 and a half hours like dang you can totally do that yeah um so it's totally up to you. So like the very first playthrough, I don't even remember it. I was mm-hmm. just like, let me go, 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 go. So I can get back to Mass Effect 2. I'm having a right. blast. Right. This time around, I'm actually taking my time with it. And I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at a, a thing on it. I can't believe that we spent, <laughs> I spent, it's almost an hour. And I'm just talking about the first game. <laughs> Well, maybe we need to do a subsequent podcast about yeah maybe maybe we maybe we need to maybe we, well I, no i don't think so i think okay i think actually we can get through it because the other games obviously they've relied on on yeah setup from mass effect one so right. i think i can get through the other ones a bit quicker. i'm trying to see if there's a i don't want to start it up but i wanted to tell me how long i've been playing okay currently uh in in this game i've, I've already spent 16 hours playing Gotcha. What would you, okay. So since I'm not a huge gamer and Mm -hmm. I'm learning so much just by being friends with you, (laughs) (laughs) Um, what would you say is like an average of how long most game? I mean, I'm sure there's a, it varies a lot depending on times of game or Mm -hmm. times. That's good. Kinds of games and, and all of that. But like a typical game, how long would you say? this like compares to 
like the, the time it takes to get through these games, how mm-hmm. would you say it compares to the average game? So I think that in order to like, it, I, I couldn't really say for sure, but I think that like uh, Mass Effect kind of set like a huge standard for this okay. kind of stuff, because I okay. don't think that there were very many games that were taking you 20, 40, 60 hours to complete. Um, kind of before, before this, okay. I mean, there may have been some here and there, but they weren't like, like it was like, yeah. it's kind of like, um, let me let me try and compare it in a way that this may understand. It's like having a cell phone that is like, like the screen being four and a half inches or five inches now is fine. Mm-hmm. But if you told somebody in like 2009, here, have this cell phone, with a four and a half inch screen, they would look at you like you were insane. It's like, why would I need a phone this big? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, like where it's like, right. there are games that were maybe like 20 to 40 hours before. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I point to Pokemon in that regard because like, I don't know very many people that like, you know, when I was growing up or when Pokemon first came out, were like beating it in like, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours. Like, I think that like my original playthrough on Pokemon was at least... 30 35 hours you know dang but also i'm the kind of person that like i don't like missing out on shit like yeah. if there's a pokemon yeah. that i like i want if i may not want it but i want to know that it's there you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i want to see all the pokemon that are in an area before i feel like moving on mm-hmm. whereas some people are like oh i can beat pokemon blue in like 35 seconds i know yeah my camera just uh like i was saying uh you know you can I would say somewhere in the realm of 20 to 30 hours, maybe prior to this game. But now it's like, you know, like there are some games out there where it's like, they want to give you all of like all of the content. Like cyberpunk Mm -hmm. is probably cyberpunk 2077, which I haven't played in a while. I'll be honest, but like, I I'm sure some people were getting like 60 to 80 hours out of that game because there's so much to do. Right. And so like, I think that I, I read somewhere that some uh, before the the legendary edition of Mass Effect came out, that like you could expect to give up around 179 hours for this game. Oh my god! Like, hmm. like yeah, for all I mean, of the like, if you think across all three games, yeah, gotcha. Not okay. not per game. So I mean, to be fair, this is like one of the rare victories from EA standpoint because typically they're known for like basically charging you way too much for way too little. But uh-huh. if you think about it. The original games when they came out were like what like 40 to 50 bucks a pop okay the legendary edition was like 69 together like 69 all together so i mean 69 or 59 69 bucks for almost 180 hours of entertainment that's like insane yeah you know right and and that's and that's including all of the downloadable content from the previous games Mm mm-hmm so like any of the downloadable content came with the legendary edition. So you didn't have to buy it separately. Like you had to in the, in, in the other ones. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you've ever been on the fence about playing a space opera, like mass effect or anything like that, it's, it's the perfect opportunity. Like, it's not one of those things where you'd even like consider waiting for a sale because you're getting again, possibly 180 hours at minimum in some cases, unless you're like really blowing through it for seven, like 60, 70 bucks. So, you know, it's, is what it is. Uh-huh. All right. So um yeah, anything any other questions or anything like that? Because I can I think I can actually hit through the second and third games pretty quick. No, keep going. I wanna I wanna hear more. Okay. So the second game in the series, Mass Effect 2, actually starts with 
you on a regular ass mission they don't really ever say what it is that you're doing and you're on your ship which is called the normandy and you get actually introduced to the normandy in the first game mm-hmm. uh and then all of a sudden, you uh, your ship is attacked by this unknown giant fucking space pillar, and it's just absolutely blown to bits, like just destroyed. Oh, and Shepard is killed. <laughs> just like he gets, um, he gets. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, Seth Green is one of the main characters in this game. Oh, like, interesting. Okay, he plays he plays the he plays the pilot of the Normandy. His name is Joker. Okay. Named Jeff Moreau. So like he he brings his like you know typical brand of Seth Green humor to it. Yeah. But he's yeah. like actually a pretty good character. One of one of Joker's like main character points is that he has what is called Vrolix syndrome. Okay. Which means that he has essentially like bird bones. Like they crack super <laughs> super easily. Like okay. So he's a pilot that can like barely move otherwise. Uh huh. And that That's becomes like a, an actual like that becomes like an actual like point of play in the game because uh again spoilers you have the one of the few times that you're not playing as shepherd you're playing as jeff okay so anyway so shepherd manages to get joker off of the normandy because the ship is like literally just like just been like torn in half by a laser beam and he's like so scared and like so like he doesn't want to go down with the ship he doesn't want to lose the ship either Mm-hmm. So he's like conflicted and he's trying to like save it because like they didn't even they didn't even know they were going to be attacked and then all of a sudden they were like oh shit so Shepard managed and you never see Shepard's face during this part of the mission Shepard is is covered he doesn't say they don't even say uh, well uh, it depends anyway um you don't see Shepard's face at all and Shepard gets Joker into an escape pod. Shepard manages to get Jeff, aka Joker, off of the Normandy in time. And then the final volley comes through and just destroys the cockpit. So the ship is just in ruins. Shepard gets thrown into some shrapnel, which cuts the oxygen line to his suit or their suit. And you see Shepard's body like struggling to breathe and like cover up the oxygen line. And then it just fades out. And then it's like Mass Effect 2. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, that was. So who do I play as? Because Shepard is dead, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So what happens is, and this is actually really, really clever. And I think a lot of people were like thinking that this was like a pretty awesome thing. And I agreed. What happens is that you were rescued. Shepard's body is is picked up by this, um, this like human, what, what do I call it? Human extremist group called Cerberus. They're like human advancement for the sake of human advancement. Like think of like, okay. Think of like Ashley Williams from earlier. Uh huh. If if she was running her own whole like human group for human advancement, just like okay, they don't really like working with any other races. Mm-hmm. They they want humanity to be the the very top of the pile, which is like understandable. You want your species to be the best, et cetera, et cetera. But, mm-hmm. you know, being humans, fucking anyway. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention this in Mass Effect 1. Yeah. You, have, you have to make a choice on whether you're going to leave behind either Caden or Ashley. And you could potentially romance either Caden or Ashley. So depending on how you feel about Caden or Ashley, you have to pick. Okay. Interesting. 
So like basically uh, a good chunk of uh, there's, there's a specific mission where you have to sit there and go, do I want to keep the Mark Wahlberg knockoff who is kind of corny or do I want to keep the space races because I can't have them both? <laughs> I mean, that feels like a little bit of a no brainer to me, but it, you would think um, so. However, I, mean, I will say that Ashley does kind of redeem herself. She becomes okay. much less racist than the other games. Okay. So like, well, I mean, you don't okay. necessarily know that in the original. Yeah. Game, yeah. So, yeah. But like people who have like gone back and it's like, well, you actually do kind of have a choice there. Um, and there are, well, there are, there do, there, there do happen to be, some homosexual relationships in later games. There's your your options as far as like romance in the original Mass Effect are pretty limited. It's it's Liara the Asari who can be with whomever. Okay. Caden is only at that point romanceable by a female shepherd, and Ashley only romanceable by a male shepherd. So if you wanted like a human to human relationship, and you're playing as a male shepherd you're probably going to want to save Ashley at least mm-hmm. then versus if you're playing as a female shepherd, your only two options at that time are, you know, and the games as, as they go on, will give you more options for romances, but it's kind of cool that you can in theory romance a character in mass effect one and keep with them throughout the other games. Like the, like you get to, you know, blossom that relationship, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, as I was saying, Cerberus, who is led by the elusive man, who is uh, played by Martin Sheen, if I recall correctly. Let me make sure, uh, uh, just to be sure. Am I correct? I am correct. Martin Sheen lends his voice for the elusive man, who is this guy who sits in this office in deep space somewhere. And he's always smoking a cigar- cigarette. And he's uh-huh. got like these machine eyes. Like he's got like these weirdly blue glowing like irises that it's clear that his eyes were like replaced by like, um, op- like, you know, machine optics. Ooh. He is, he's the, um, the head of Cerberus. And like, you never really like, at least, in, at least until the third game, you don't really learn what his name is if you do it all. Uh-huh. Um, Actually, you learn it in a comic book series because there's a comic there's oh. a comic book spin-off. Okay. Basically, you don't really, really get to learn who he is until like, you know, later on. But the, he's just called the Elusive Man. And so he has created what is called the Lazarus Project specifically because he knew that Shepard's Normandy was going to get attacked and he was going to be murdered. So he creates the Lazarus Project to find Shepard and once they find Shepard's dead body, to uh-huh. basically bring Shepard back to life <laughs> via the use of cybernetic en- enhancements and stuff. And he makes a point to be like, don't alter Shepard. Shepard is the only one that can save us from the Reaper threat because Elusive Man actually believes in the Reapers and believes that they are coming and wants to stop it, at least initially. And so basically that is the, the game's way of allowing you to re-roll the character if you didn't like what you did in Mass Effect 1. Oh. You can, if so So if you're straight up just starting from Mass Effect 2, like if you're just like, someone told me about how Mass Effect rolls out, I don't care, fine, whatever. Uh-huh. That's your way of starting from scratch. Or if you are like, okay, well, I played this way as a, as a character in Mass Effect 1, but I don't really want to play that same kind of character. This is how I can re-roll that character and make some adjustments. Okay. 
So um, basically what you need to know about Mass Effect 1 is that there are, there's a new, there's a new species that is introduced that is working with the Reapers called the Collectors. Wait, this is in 2. This is in 2, yes. Okay. The Reapers from Mass Effect 1 have gotten a new species called the Collectors who typically are pretty like peaceful. They would just like show up, they'd pay somebody for like some artifacts or like some, some like piece of history and then they would just disappear. They would just be like, hey, yo, can I, can I have like your, um, that art, that Asari art, can we have that? And, and someone's like, yeah, I mean, how much do you want for it? Like, how much, how much money do you want for it? You know, like, we'll give you whatever you want. Here, let us have it. And then they would just like get on their ships and just fuck off. So they all of a sudden now are starting to attack human colonies. Like human colonies are getting attacked and then they're just going dark. Like no communication, nothing. Dang, and then- okay. And then like investigative teams would get there and it's like nobody was there. Like dinner would be left like on the tables, books would be left open. It was, it was, it was like everyone just like was at a party and then just got up and left without touching anything except it's the whole colony. And so you start to find out what's going on. Shepard starts finding, um, starts uh, deciding that he's going to work with the elusive man and this is two years later. This is two years after Shepard's gotten attacked. So the beginning of the game but to where you start actually getting to play it is two years. There's a two year gap. Mm-hmm. So you start collecting a team to assault the, the collector home base, which you don't know where it is. Um, you find that out middle of the game. And basically you start having to reconcile with the Alliance who has obviously announced you killed in action. You get a brand new Normandy, which is their clever way of like basically allowing a redesign of the interiors of the Normandy, which a big con- a big um, concern with the first game was that it was just, there were just too many like loading screens and it was too difficult to get around inside the ship. There were just oh, like, okay. it was easy. It was a little easy to get lost if you didn't, if you weren't really paying attention to where you were, what you were doing. And so basically they redesigned the interior of the ship to be a bit more um, user-friendly, I guess, for lack of better words. Okay. So you basically are sense. going around trying to figure out what's, why the fuck the collectors are taking all these human colonies and what they're doing with them. You start fighting the collectors and you're, you're basically gearing up this huge team of humans and, and uh, Turians, Asari, Krogan, etc., to launch off what, what is, the game calls a suicide mission. So with that, basically you get to recruit like a team of like 10, 12 people and you have to take steps to gain their loyalty to ensure that they live in the suicide mission. Okay. So like, it, so like for instance, if you're like, okay, Miranda wants to save her, her like biologically engineered twin sister and I go, okay, yeah, sure. I, I'll go save her that gets her loyal, which means she'll fight harder in the final mission. Versus if you don't do that, the game actually puts like a counter in the, like, a, like it, like it kind of like keeps track of like who you're loyal with and who isn't loyal to you. And if you choose them to have like a prominent role in the suicide mission and they're not loyal to you, they'll die. Okay. They don't, they don't believe in you or they're not fighting hard enough. You know, they're not like putting a hundred percent into it. And so like there's like something will happen to them that, that will cause their death. Or like if you don't talk to a certain person and buy a certain upgrade for the Normandy, when you're going to like find the collector base, like a hole gets ripped into the ship because you didn't get the, the strong enough plating or whatever. And a person just happens to be in that area and they get sucked out of the air, like, you know, sucked out and die or something like that. 
So in theory, you could go on the suicide mission and everyone can die. <laughs> wow. That is, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it, there's a lot. And like, th there's some characters that you don't get to like, you know, uh, that, that were on your squad in the first game, but can't be on your squad in the second game and stuff like that. Um, and you start to unravel the mystery behind what's going on. So what's happening is that the collectors are taking all these human colonies and they're basically turning the humans into slurry to power a human-sized shaped reaper. Not, not human, excuse me, a human-shaped but reaper-sized reaper. Because oh, they're wow. like, okay. humanity has stopped us before why don't we just create a like a human reaper to fuck them up like it's all the best of whatever like you know it's that thing where like humans typically are like you're squishy we can't like do magic or any of that kind of shit but we have that determination and resiliency or whatever uh -huh. that like makes us unique and always makes us like like live through the the odds or whatever it's why the rock can fall 10 stories down a fucking building and then get up and still manage to like kill someone or whatever right of course um that kind of shit. So basically, the 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 boss battle is you're fighting this unfinished human reaper inside this giant base, and so depending on how well you do, you could potentially lose your entire team. And then obviously, anyone that dies during that mission doesn't show up in Mass Effect Three. Uh huh. So that's like basically the gist of Mass Effect Two, and then obviously you can choose things. There's not so much of a of a like here you have to choose between this person and this person in the game but there are loyalty missions that you can do that conflict with other like other characters okay so for instance you've got tally who is a quarian and then you have a, a you actually get a geth to be on your ship and his name is their, their name is legion and obviously the geth and the quarians are at odds so after you finish both their loyalty missions you'll find out that Legion was was scanning Tally to give the Geth more information on what the Corians are doing and where they're at. And so she freaks the fuck out because she's like, you're not gonna fucking go and find the Corians and kill them all. And if you're not, um, if you don't have enough like Paragon points or Renegade points, you have to pick a side, which means you would lose the loyalty of the person whose side you went against. So if you say Legion is right, then you lose Tally's loyalty and thus potentially can't use her in the suicide mission because she'll die uh-huh or vice versa so like you have to like basically play the long game of like you mean you can be a complete asshole to both of them and make and force them to keep your loyalty by like intimidation or you can be like a benevolent person being like hey you're both right can we find a comp compromise but if you play the middle ground too much you're gonna lose one of them gotcha you know so like they're like they i've definitely had a playthrough where i had to like essentially and this was my choice i didn't have to do it but like i essentially was like well i gotta fucking start i have to like go back like 10 20 saves or whatever so that i don't fucking play that mission yet because i'm not ready because i will lose one of them uh -huh. you know and there are certain players certain characters that like you know you want to take on the suicide mission because they're like the best you know what i mean like they're the best biotic so they can do the best space magic and if you give it to somebody who's loyal but not good at that you can still lose people yeah so you have to be very like tactical about it. And then Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3, the Reapers are coming. War is breaking out. The galaxy is like, the majority of the galaxy is like, okay, fuck. Okay, the Reapers are a thing. I guess we should like actually pay attention now. And you essentially are in charge of the entire war effort. 
uh, because the Reapers start with Earth. They basically just like zoom to Earth and occupy it. Like London gets destroyed, like Tokyo, New York. Like they don't do like the blowing up the White House kind of moment, but it's like, it's very obvious that the Reapers are like, we're going to hit it Shepard specifically where it hurts because Shepard apparently is the one that can get everyone together to stop the Reapers from doing what they want to do. So like that one, basically you're given a, like a warness ready score and you have to like basically get your score as high as possible before the end of the game and you can also be like chased during like just overworld things where you're trying to go from point a to point b like the game will like warn you if the reapers are in the vicinity and you might have to like try and fight them and like that's like the equivalent of like an ant trying to fight fight a human because the Normandy is incredibly small compared to the size of like a single reaper. And we're talking like a fleet of them, like hundreds, if not thousands of reapers are coming. So the majority of that game is doing small, smaller missions here and there so that you can convince like um, representatives for like the Quarians or the Salarians to like join your effort and not just try and fight them by themselves. So you're basically trying to get the whole galaxy together to fight as a whole, as opposed to just like fighting on their own. And depending on how well you do, you could lose certain like, you know, major players and stuff like that. Some characters are straight up, you're just going to lose them unless you like did everything right kind of a thing. And you're also fighting against Cerberus because the elusive man uh, in his obsession with trying to understand and keep the collector base together has gotten indoctrinated. And so now he's sending Cerberus and in a Cerberus assassin after your forces. So not only are you trying to fight the Reapers, but you're also trying to fight another organization that you used to work for who is trying to kill you. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Just perfect. Sounds like, super easy. Yeah, super absolutely. Easy. Now that's, that's pretty much the, the over arc without getting too deeply into Mass Effect 2 and 3, because again, this Mm -hmm. podcast will be 76 years long. Now, (laughs) the problem and why people say that Mass Effect 2 is the best version, the best game in the series and not Mass Effect 3 has a lot to do with the ending to Mass Effect 3. Oh. So the ending to Mass Effect 3 essentially is choose a color. I'm not joking. Oh, wait. That's how it ends, or you're telling me to choose a color? No, I'm 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 saying that's how it ends. Essentially, is choose a color. So what? you what? find out you find out through all of the throughout all of these games that the citadel where galactic space is is seated uh-huh. is one massive reaper trap. Oh it's shit! A huge, it's a huge trap. Basically, uh-huh. they go. This is where everyone will flock to because it's this big. Because te- like. The, when the Reapers wipe out everything, they leave the Citadel alone. I mean, they attack the Citadel in the first game, but it's like they're attacking the Citadel to wipe everyone out. And then they actually have a species on the Citadel to repair and keep everything running. So essentially, it's one big bait to be like, hey, yeah, bring all of your, your most important people here and then we'll murder them. And so you're all in chaos. You know? Oh, my like, God. Yeah. But it is also a huge weapon. <laughs> of course. And it's a weapon that basically is, they use the word the crucible. So the crucible becomes a thing. It attaches to the Citadel or whatever. Shepard goes there and then he's talked to by one of the Reapers who takes the form of this human kid that you see throughout Mass Effect 3. 
and the cumin kid uh hologram or whatever explains to Shepard why they're doing what they're doing and they're like hey like cute like organics will always create synthetics and then synthetics will go to war with organics and they'll murder each other so we just we just nip it in the bud before it gets too crazy anyway like you can look at the geth and the asara uh, the Koreans, for example and so you got to either pick red which means that you would take control of the reapers at the cost of your own life and make them go away or um i think it's like green was like you would basically merge with all all synthetic life and organic life would merge together and then uh blue was like i forget what the blue option was but the way that and i can't remember exactly how they did it because they patched it and everything now but like the way that it was initially presented was like it didn't really matter what choice like everything that you did none of that mattered just pick a color wow so like Getting getting to be nice to Conrad Werner in the first game didn't matter. Whether or not you rescued Liara didn't matter. Like, uh-huh. did, you, did you save Caden? Did you save Ashley? Did you let Ashley kill Rex? Like, all of these spoilers and all of these major plot points just came down to pick a color. And so everyone was like, oh, the fuck? Like... <laughs> And so they were like, "Oh, you y'all hated that? Uh, um, we'll we'll patch it so that it means something." And it just it didn't really make it much better. So there's this huge controversy or controversy, depending on how you like to say that word. Um, huge controversy around the end of Mass Effect Three, where like people were like coming up with desperation theories of like, was Shepard actually indoctrinated this whole time? That's like a huge theory that goes on through the game because like, I mean with the exception of like Shepard and, and some key members of like the Alliance and stuff like that, pretty much anybody's able to be indoctrinated, you know, like, uh-huh. I mean, the game pretty, pretty much sets it up as like, if the elusive man who was like, you know, far, far away from all of this spatially can, can give into the temptation and slowly believe that what he is doing is what the Reapers want, et cetera, et cetera. Then like anybody can get, you know, can get indoctrinated, but, Anyway, that's that's uh, how it ends up shaking out. I mean, you can stop the Reapers, sort of, but it was kind of like a hollow victory at the end of things, you know. So, yeah, um, that sounds really satisfying. It, it, yeah, and I think that's the thing too is that it just, it, you know, it, it just didn't come out as satisfying. Like people liked it, but it was just the, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, like just reading off of it, the ending was poorly received by fans who felt it did not meet expectations. Yeah. And then in, in response to it, they released the extended cut pack which expands upon the original ending, but it didn't really, you know, didn't really do anything okay. um, for you. I mean, uh, they were, I mean, people were real pissed. Like they went to the Better Business Bureau and the FTC, uh, the UK-based ASA got involved saying that it was false advertising and stuff like that. Um, I would love to see if I could, uh, you know, figure out if I, there's no, there's no good, like, um, there's no good, like, thing that talks about, like, what the ending difference was that I can, like, talk about here, you know? Mm, like, there's mm-hmm, a video, mm-hmm. there's videos about it, I'm sure. So, like, if you're really, really curious, I would definitely, there's, I'm sure there's lots of videos on YouTube that you can look up to, to get into the ending. It's like one of the things that I actually don't really want to hit too hard. Yeah. You know, we've already gone like super, super long, but like it, it, it was just like, you were given this, this 
again, this space opera, like you were going, you could fly yeah. across the galaxy and you can meet all these characters. And depending on who you met and what you met, like there's a mm -hmm. character named Captain Kirahi who like, if you save him in the first game, he ends up saving you from a really big international incident in the third game. Like, you mm -hmm. know, and like, you can skip people. They're like main characters that you can just decide that you don't want to meet. Like for mm -hmm. instance, if you just decide you don't want to fuck with Rex, you can straight up tell him to fuck off in the first game and then you never see him again. Versus wow, like if you, okay. if you keep him around, like he's a huge asset throughout the third game. You have mm -hmm. so much choice. And then mm -hmm. for it to come down to just pick a color was just like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Heart, heart, heartbreaking but yeah you know that all being said i, I honestly I, I truly believe the ending to mass effect 3 is not bad enough to dissuade me from playing through it again because there's so many characters and like it's one of those games that like if you let yourself get in, get wrapped up into it the voice acting is great the art design the music it, it can break your heart like it can mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. you know like even the choice of like like I haven't even gotten there yet. I haven't gotten to the mission where I have to decide if I'm keeping Caden or Ashley. And, I, and I'm and i kind of putting it off because it's like, I don't really want to make that decision, you know? Uh -huh. like Because uh -huh. there like, there's stuff that you learn about Ashley and you get to watch her character go from just like an army brat who thinks that all aliens are fucking inferior to like an actual fleshed out character. Yeah. Potentially miss out on if you just let her die on Vermeer, you know? Caden. Is like a similar thing like the game like the, the the promise having looked back at the promise of getting to learn about these characters is 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 really really deep and in there and you know and, and talking about you know getting to choose like if you decide not to explore all of your options with like tally you could potentially lose out on the one opportunity that you get to have the Koreans and the geth actually like attain peace mm -hmm. which is like something that is like the game hits so hard over the head, uh, uh, over your head, that is like, it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's never going to happen. The geth, like the geth this, the geth that. And like so many like myths are perpetrated on purpose by the game. They make yeah. the geth out to be like these cold, calculating, unkilling machines. Mm -hmm. And then it's like in the third game, they're like, well, we fought you because you wanted to kill us. Like we didn't want to fucking die. Like mm -hmm. it's like such a no brainer. That like you're just like well of course not but like you are gonna murder and they're like no we'll stop fighting you if you promise to not fight us and like you actually have to like talk some Koreans off the ledge who might otherwise like and trigger warning might literally commit suicide otherwise like if you can't broker that piece in the third game mm -hmm. some character and you choose the side of the geth some of the characters straight up die they just they go I can't live like this and they kill themselves wow like it's so emotionally investing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that beyond mm -hmm. just the great art and the great game design and the great voice acting, I think that is what makes Ma the Mass Effect series such a pivotal core series because it, it made so many people care. Like beyond the memes that come out from the games, like in the glitches and the bugs and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. you know, like we talked, like when we talked about cyberpunk, there were fun glitches and memes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like other than like the wake the fuck up V, like the the Johnny Silverhand stuff, like cyberpunk didn't really make you care about those characters. Mm, gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like for me, I cyberpunk lost me for the most part when they established that 
you are going to die. This character is going to die. Mm-hmm. There's no way to save them. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even if you get Johnny Silverhand out of your head, which spoilers you can do. I don't know how much you remember from our talk with that, but like the game will get, leave you on a cliffhanger, but it's implied that like you're, you, you basically are just like in a hospice at that point, which not, I'm obviously not saying anything about hospices or anything like that, but it's just like your character is going to die. So a lot of the shit that you did didn't, doesn't really matter. Uh huh. If there was a way to save V and like have them be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like, you know, make it after you sacrificed Jackie and you lost all of these other people and you went, you know, you, you basically tackled this world conglomerate in one and you're telling me that it doesn't matter because, I mean, I get it because humans yeah. die, whatever. But like, yeah. if you invalidate the choices like that, it's like they lost me when they were just like, oh yeah, there's nothing you can do. Like, you're just going to die. Like Johnny's going to overwrite your consciousness. And I was like, okay, well then, then why do I care about this character? Yeah, It's not the character that I wanted to create. It's Johnny right. Silverhand, which is like fine if you want me to play as Johnny Silverhand, but then let me play as Johnny Silverhand. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it, it takes that away from you. And I think that mm-hmm. like that was one of the main things that I think a lot of people were hoping for with Cyberpunk is that they were hoping that it was going to be like earth-based dystopian Mass Effect in gotcha. terms of like the voice acting and the characters. Because like, cause, like gotcha. uh, you know, like, uh, and, and I haven't gotten too much further in Cyberpunk mostly because I've just been playing a ton of games, but like the art design of Cyberpunk is fantastic. The voice acting is fantastic. Like I actually felt hurt when T-Bug died and stuff like that. But like at the end of it, it just didn't have, like it, the heart wasn't as strong yeah. as I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. And as much mm-hmm. as they talked about the the, the choice and the, the heart the game had, it just wasn't there at the end. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it gets lost, unfortunately. Gotcha. So yeah. And as a heads up, for those of you who are on the fence at all about Mass Effect and, and you're just like, well, I don't really play like shooters or whatever. The game has a difficulty setting that basically is like, you're here for the story. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> like, it's not like, I mean, you still have to fight, but like, right. You're not going like, to. And again, you can just choose what you want to do. If you just want to play the main shit, just play the main shit. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go in and like, look at every single every single like planet in the in the system and and you know you don't have to spend a ton of time on the mako which the mako mm-hmm. was like one of the big drawbacks of mass effect one because it was so awful to control like just the worst vehicle to try and control but there was just so much that you could you can do even as somebody who's just a casual player and that's how they got me yeah because like i yeah. I, I mean I don't really play lots of like shooter games myself. Uh-huh. I'm not like, you'll never really see me playing like a call of duty or bat, like a, a battlefront or anything like that. It's not really my dig, but like it was the story and the characters that really hook mm-hmm. blues, blues traveler hooked me. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I have gone on so long. I don't know if you have any questions or if you have anything that you wanted to point out or like, clarifying things that that, you know that I talked about that that you wanted to hit on or anything like that yeah I mean just like I guess like why was it re-released and like are there differences in the re-release or like I guess is my the only thing that I had had left sure so um for for those who don't know 
the original platforms that the Mass Effect series came out on are pretty old by game standards at this point. Oh, gotcha. Like we're talking the Xbox 360, which is like three generations ago in gaming terms. In the PlayStation 3, again, three generations ago, like we're on PlayStation, like, oh, I guess two and a half, two, three, like we're on, we're on PlayStation 5 at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 uh, I'm trying to see, did, um, that's Mass Effect 3. That's just Mass Effect 3 that I'm talking about specifically. Okay. Um, uh, Cause that's what I'm looking at. So like, you know, Mass Effect 1 came out in 2007. So it's like PlayStation, like maybe, maybe PlayStation 3, Xbox, you know, but like end of their cycle time, it basically right. by, the, by, right. by three. Okay, so like, that makes sense. So I like thought for, about it that yeah, way. Yeah, so for like one on that, like one, it's, it's like not a lot of people own those anymore. And like your way to get them is either eBay or if you're lucky at like a, not even like a GameStop necessarily carries them anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also- like again 2007 graphics oof oof amelia oof. <laughs> um so i want to say it's a lot of people were just clamoring to be able to play it on uh, at least on pc so that it, they could you know because you could still i guess in theory play it but um like i played mm-hmm. um i still had my copy of mass effect 2 that i got on pc free from origin like forever ago okay i had to download mods to get the game to look good you know like it okay. looked okay but like there's mm-hmm. a night and day difference and that's like right. people taking the time out to modify them right so anyway it, it was it was a lot of just like clamoring to get to play the games again because the last entry in the series was andromeda and that was in 2017 and that was like a complete departure like literally because okay. the tag like it's called mass effect andromeda because it doesn't even take place in the milky way galaxy it takes place in the andromeda galaxy uh-huh. which like we don't know like as far as like you and i we know fuck <laughs> all about you know like yeah 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 you know so like they made up a ton of stuff for the milky way galaxy but like there's no commander Shepard. there's no like they take i think i don't even know if krogan's even show up in the game i think they might be there but like they're not like they like a lot of the characters that you got to know uh, in the original mass effect trilogy aren't there mm-hmm. because it actually takes the andromeda game takes place 600 plus years in the future gotcha okay and so like a lot of people were like, well, I want to fucking play as Commander Shepard again and like get to know all these characters all over again. Mm-hmm. And I think EA and BioWare were, I think that that was always kind of their plan. So the difference is, is that they've updated the graphics as best they could. Mm-hmm. All of the DLC for all three games is included in it, which is like a okay. good chunk of story content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise it's pretty untouched. And I think okay. that's the smart play because like, uh, well, uh, it's pretty untouched. They did um, they did allow you to have different controls for like the Mako, which is basically like this like um, this like uh, six wheeled tank that you would drive around on worlds and stuff like that. That I said again, it's awful to drive in Mass Effect. Like, mm-hmm. I, like almost to the point where I would just be like, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> for having to drive the fucking Mako. Like that was the, that's the meme is that like, it's, you know, it's, it's so bad to drive that like mm-hmm. it's almost not worth playing Mass Effect 1. Um, so they, they did like some, you know, controls here and there. They did change up some of the puzzles. Cause like hack, they, they basically have like hacking mini games mm-hmm. that like they, they changed as a result of, um you know, uh, as a result of just fan like stuff, but they do allow you to like play with like the original controls and stuff like that, if you really want to. Okay. Um, and also I think they, they, uh, I mean, 
what was it? You know, again, they announced it last year. So it was probably like the 13 year anniversary. There was like, now's a good fucking time. And apparently, apparently they're talking about a fifth installment with Commander Shepard and the original crew back in, uh, in the general okay. uh, vicinity. So yeah, uh, to kind of quick wrap you up again with the Andromeda thing, we can talk about it if, if y'all really want to hear about it. Just know that like, they did change the gameplay a lot. There are certain species that just don't like don't appear really in the game for whatever reason. Like the Corians don't really appear in Andromeda. It just didn't hit the same. Yeah. It just didn't hit the same. Yeah. Um, and they changed some stuff here. And also when they released it, who boy was it buggy. Uh, yeah. Ooh, boy was it buggy. Like uh, uh, if y'all want to look up some of the uh, Mass Effect Andromeda bugs, you definitely should because child they had to release a patch and it was like y'all didn't make this too much better the characters like look like they were doing like this like (laughs) i was making a really really awkward face and like you're just like oh yep that's that's the character that i built that character that the lip sync is totally off and their eyes are rolling back in their head weirdly and like no no it it was uh como se dice not ready for prime time let's say that and that's a huge thing in the game industry is that there's so much obsession with crunch time and just getting games out that like uh we should uh here's our here's our um once per podcast thing where we talk about how we should make an episode on (laughs) these sports franchises specifically the wwe games awful about that because it's so clear that they just take last year's game and slap a new coat of paint on it and sell you it for $60 and it's just like 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 not just because of the pandemic but like also because like the WWE 2K20 released so poorly in terms of bugs and graphical errors and just like the poor story and everything that they were just like, we're not going to put out a 2K21. We'll see y'all in 2K22. Like, uh, mm-hmm. just you know, it's it's such a pressing thing for like like the like that that was one of the big things with Cyberpunk too is that like even with them delaying the game twice, it still wasn't ready to come out. Right. Time. Like it still wasn't ready. So right. it's just like so rough, so so rough. But yeah, that's that's Mass Effect. Um, if y'all are really interested in seeing some playthroughs, I'm I'm slowly releasing my streams out on YouTube. Um, so if you just search a Black Sparrow, uh, you will find you will probably find it right right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and also I stream uh, Mass Effect on Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesdays and Fridays uh, around five thirty Central Standard Time. So you can pop in. I will be playing throughout the entirety of the series, so Mass Effect one, two, and three. And I believe uh, the uh, video on demand stays up for about a week after I complete it. So if you'd rather just watch it as I did it which I don't know why you would because I take breaks and faff about and I'm looking up guides and shit. And so I'm going to edit some of that out for the YouTube versions, hopefully. But anyway, you can come in and check it out. And, and I'm always happy to answer any questions or explain the lore the best that I know it or anything like that. So feel free to, or if you just want to tweet at us, you can do that too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Let us know what you think and if you've played and all that good stuff. Um yeah. Long, long story short, if you own a PC or a PlayStation 5 or uh, an Xbox Series X um, 
and you've had any curiosity about the game, any, I highly recommend you give it a try. Highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah. So uh, that being said, um, Amelia, why don't you tell us where they can find us? They can find us at A-S-W-A-Y-D-P-O-D on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at A-S-W-A-Y-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. And let us know what you think. Um, you can also find me at Shake Meets World on pretty much everywhere. And you can find Sherrick at A Black Sparrow, as he said earlier, on a lot of the things, Twitch TV as well. Um, yeah. So that being said, I didn't make up a theme song for it, but it's Amelia. What the fuck is this? Woo! All right. This is the part of the episode where I find something ridiculous, awesome, wild on the internet, and I show it to Amelia without any context. Heads up. This one does have sound. Uh, Good luck. Good luck. Oh, no. (laughs) What am I getting myself into? Marcus. Who is that? Do we know? I don't. That? I do not. Oh, know. okay. Okay. Because I was just like, how do you? Oh, I see. Because his name is Marcus, his screen name or whatever. Um, oh, and it's labeled poor Marcus. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is a collection of uh, TikTok videos starting with an original TikTok video and then a bunch of duets with that TikTok video. God, I just said TikTok video 87 times, so I'm a million <laughs> years old because no one calls them that. Um, anyway, um, and it's this guy and his girlfriend, and he's like, happy Star Wars Day. It's also my birthday, so I'm going to introduce you to my girlfriend. And, like... She- He's like super hyped and has like a mic on, like this mm-hmm. like flesh colored um, mic on, so you can't even tell that it's there until he turns. And this girlfriend, A, looks like kind of too young for him, but also like his age could be 24 or 48. I'm really not sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it just like, she's just standing there and doesn't do anything. And then she's like, hi. And like, doesn't blink really at all. It's, she looks so uncomfortable. So just the original video seems really creepy to me. But then mm. all these people stitched together, like sometimes layering on from previous videos. And it's like, basically like, you know, the next video is like her, but there's a caption added that just says like, blink if you blink twice if you need help um uh and has like another side video that it makes it look like he's got a gun to her head (laughs) 
there's another one where that's they're still there but then it looks like her hands are tied up below her like it's like the it's like the video's gotten stretched out and you can now see her legs and see that her hands are tied and yes um you know there's one where where there's a duet video where there's a guy like outside the door like yelling to let your hostage go and all this stuff there's one where like it's added with like some tv news coverage that's like covering this live and like it's just it's really fucking funny um and i want to know if this original the, the the original people who made the video know about all of these i would assume (laughs) and what they think about them because yeah i literally like i understand why people made all of these duets to go with it because um it is kind of creepy the way that he like introduced her and the way that she's just kind of like there like uh hi like yeah it's i thoroughly enjoyed this um people are so creative and yeah i want to know what these people think about the the duets with their video (laughs) um yeah yep apparently he's a news anchor on tiktok he's a news anchor on tiktok uh according to his twitter bio i anchor the news on tiktok freelance photographer and field producer contact information at lincoln bio interesting uh i mean it seems like he's he's heavy in the in the political sphere so that's interesting yeah. i'm not going to get any further into that uh, i'm no. curious to see if um i don't know when that tiktok was taken mm-hmm. so um i mean it's just, obviously it's star wars day so may the 4th at, at minimum but like i don't know if he but has which um, year yeah yeah like if this was last year or this year or what um and I don't know if I'm gonna get all the way back on his uh, timeline in time, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, here's apparently he says uh, at on April 30th he said Trader Joe's tomato leaf scented candle smells like Jet A, which I'm I don't know what that means. None of those things made any sense to me. Okay, it must it may not have been this year or he ignored it on his Twitter. So uh, there's at least that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that was the WTF for uh, this week. Uh, let me know what y'all think. Uh, I thought it was rather amusing. So there's yeah, that. I yeah, you have to check this out. It is fucking funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> creepy but funny. Oh god, I just went to his TikTok and it's just like all these videos of his face, like right up in the camera. So uh-huh. like, yeah, since you said that he's like a news anchor, it looks like he just like makes TikTok videos about news items and just mm-hmm. talks to the camera. But like on the whole of going to his profile and seeing all these videos together, it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So anyway. Woof. Anyway, yeah, I feel like I need to watch a couple to see if he's always that creepy. Um, I kind of suspect that he is. Uh- <laughs> sorry dude yeah i don't know anyway check it out it's funny like i said love the creativity of people on tiktok so yes um, indeed yep all right well that's gonna do it for us this week so Mm -hmm. um we've already told you where to find us so i guess um yeah that's all i got for you i guess yeah so yeah we have some fun stuff coming up for you soon but oh yeah that's also true uh with that i've been amelia 
and I've been sharing. And sometimes you are deciding you want to have a second baby, and you're just like, uh, we for whatever reason we can't conceive the child, and so you look into the adoption process, and someone is like, yeah, you, you can't really adopt a baby because that's weird. You think that like in America you could adopt a baby just by like tripping over somebody, but anyway, so you just like go and try to adopt a baby, and they say no, and so you're like, all right, but I really want to have a baby, and so then some guy is like real shady. He's like, hey, you want to have a baby? Come over here and look into my wares inside my trench coat, and then all of a sudden there's like a deed for a baby and you're like okay i guess i'll just like go with this and then you're like okay here's the money and he's like cool but hey guess what the price for this baby has now gone up and so then you're just like what that's not what the the deal was and he's like well if you want this baby or not and then you're just like well i want the baby but at the original price and the guy says no it's a new price and that and actually it's a bidding war and so then you just get so upset about it that you decided to just bust out your detective skills and you just bring up this entire like black mark hungarian baby ring and then you're just like okay cool we did it and that's the greatest part of this movie okay bye <laughs>